scared or tornado uh, warning um they had us about 30 to 40 minutes in the hallway so we uh pretty much only had our phones or whatever we could carry with us and then they said well everybody was okay oh yes thank goodness it was just Uh, you ready to go live absolutely right you're in florida amelia yes yeah we we get our tornado warnings up here in quebec oh my goodness it was yeah was that where you're at yeah where i am uh-huh. And uh, we've never had those before. Mm-hmm. And now with the weather changing, apparently, uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're in a corridor here of intense uh, storms in the summer, and we get tornado warnings now. And we've had yeah. a few hit. Yeah, so, they said it was near the beach, <laughs> but luckily it didn't hit us. So. <laughs> okay, let's do yeah. it. Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night edition of What's the Buzz Popcast. You heard me right. What's the Buzz Popcast. We are the only popcast in the world. Why? Because we own the name and we can do it. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We can do it. How you doing, Ked? How was your day? It was good. Other than the tornado warning I was telling you earlier that we had, but we, uh, we went. Yeah, I heard that you were when we spoke today, Amelia. (laughs) was being evacuated from her office and uh, held captive in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness it was just a small uh, 20 of us, so it wasn't that big, but we had a nice structured cement building. It's an old building, so when they built it back in the day, yeah, thank goodness it was a strong well, cement building. You guys made through it okay, and, yes. uh, and you're no worse for wear. We have right? an amazing show tonight. Tonight's show, The Satan Gene, with its author, D.W. Emer. Dan Emer is my guest tonight. He has written um, not just a novel uh-huh. and not just an epic novel. He's written a big old fat epic novel. <laughs> right. And this, I will tell you that we, Amelia and I were talking about this. If we're going to do it, let's do this right. Eh? right? Exactly. Yes. I got my copy. Um, This book is remarkable in a couple of senses. It reminds me, it's very visual, Mm -hmm. by the way. It's a very visual book, and I want to tell everybody a little bit about it. I'm not going to give away any info. It's a very visual book that reminds you of The Seventh Seal meets Dan Brown's Angels and Demons and The Da Vinci Code. Yeah, that works for me. (laughs) <laughs> right it, 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 it's classic it's it's classic conspiracy it's got uh, you know your religious elements it's got your you know um the seedier side of religion elements which let's be honest about it it's all fucking seedy okay so government um yeah we're gonna have a show we're actually dedicating an entire show to that oh um, but it is a healthy book for a guy who just, I'm tell you what, when Dan Emer decides to jump into something, he don't do it half-assed. Um, 
This is an amazing accomplishment. We're going to talk about this at length in just a moment. But let me first introduce you to my guest. D.W. Dan Emer achieved a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Science from Concordia University in Montreal, leading to a career as a personal trainer. Boy, did you take a fork in the road. <laughs> Big time. His writing career stems from a life that's Cre that was created at the age of 16 he had a life list listen to this one amelia mm -hmm. at 16 he created a life list okay he wrote this thing as kind of like this opus to my life things i want to do right so writing a novel was near the top of that list of over over a hundred goals my little birdie told me perhaps as much as 120 goals on this list okay we have a really really keen birdie around here dan so <laughs> he tells us stuff dan emer's list has been lost to time in history but it was never forgotten as witnessed by this little puppy right here Columbia, <laughs> this oh man it's a, no it's a great use of paper it's an amazing book after publishing fitness manuals, I can't believe this. He went from fitness manuals to this incredible work. He dug into a real novel. His first thriller, The Satan Gene, was custom made for conspiracy nuts like Amelia and I. And by the way, uh, just so you know, Dan, we love a good conspiracy on this show uh, and we delve into them regularly. Absolutely, we did. Interwoven with secret codes. <laughs> Interwoven with secret codes. Amelia, let me get through this. <laughs> As I got to introduce my guest. Interwoven with secret codes, Catholic intrigue, and tantalizing blends of fact and fiction. We're going to talk about that. The Satan gene will leave its readers wondering whether what they've just read was real, a grand illusion, or the figment of a great writer's imagination. With that, I am proud as hell to announce, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dan D. D. Dan D. W. Emer. Mr. Emer. That's all right. Dan, this is what happens, brother, when the when the coffee kicks. He gets excited with these kind of. I am excited because I love. I have to tell you, I really do. I want to tell you, uh, all, all joking aside, this is an amazing book. Um. Thank you. It's one of those books compliment, that, really. will, yeah, that will easily. We love this. Yeah, it, it's this one of those books that will easily captivate. And I say it's a large book, but it's a very, very easy read in that once you start, you don't want to put it down. Yeah. I mean, I'm already well, easy read almost, on two levels because it's 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 easy. From the story perspective, but it's easy because the print is a good size. It's, you know, it's not small yeah. print. We toyed with that a little bit. And I said, you know what, you know, I want people to be able to read this thing. So uh, that's the you reason know, why Dan, it's a major brick. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that uh, because it seemed to me like a very deliberate thing, uh, you know, enlarging the font. Yeah. So, you know what, when, when I read a book and I, I wear glasses, you know, so when, when I read a book, you know, I, I'm, I'm constantly doing this because, first of all, I hate bifocals and I'm not going to buy them. So I just wear my glasses down like this one I read. 
And one of the things I found myself doing was in, in reading the book was, and it's rare for me to sit up and read, but I just, I just sat back in my chair and just, I mean, it was an easy read. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Um, this, uh, the Satan gene, Satan is, a, is an acronym for, well, I'm not going to tell people, but it's an acronym. We're, we're not, we are and are not talking about a literal Satan, but we're, no. exactly. this is where the line between uh, religiosity and fiction blur, and brilliantly so. It was absolutely brilliant. The The historical fiction blended with current factual data and even historical factual data is remarkable. Were you, Dan, a, a history student? Did you study like... I'm uh, well, a, big a big fan of archaeology, a big fan of adventure stories and movies and books mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, you mentioned Dan Brown... Uh, earlier on. Um, I became a big fan of his with his type of book. Uh, that, that really got me into it, uh, you know, pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. So I've been, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of history and archaeology and uh, I love this stuff. So I wanted to integrate a lot of that into this book. Uh, the idea was to take a, a, you know, a reader down a, a, along a trip of about 2,000 years because we're, we're stepping back yeah. a long way with some of yeah. this so it spans 2,000 years, but the story is modern. The story is current. The story is actually current from the news perspective. If we're talking about what's going on with Russia and China, uh, mm-hmm. there are very modern elements in it. Yeah, it, it's a 2,000-year-old rabbit hole, brother, is what it is. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's yeah, exactly what happened. I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, it was either a stroke of sheer extraterrestrial genius or you got drunk one night and just started writing? <laughs> because, no, I mean, but, it, um, it really is brilliant. Honest, well, I'll, honestly. I'll, come, I'll come back to that because um, well, it was quite a few years ago uh, after I read The Da Vinci Code and then the subsequent books that he came out with. Um, you know, between books, like I think a lot of people did, uh, I was trying to find something along the same lines to keep me going type of thing because I really enjoyed the historical thriller type of, uh, of genre. And uh, so I was reading other authors and whatnot, but uh, a lot of them left me a little bit, you know, like blase at the end and even disappointed because the stories didn't end properly or they were not well-structured or they weren't super well-edited. And I had a lot of problems going. And at one point I was sitting there going, you know what, I, I, I think I could do better than this. And then the idea was spawned from that moment on that I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that it's a big book, and I took on a big job. I, Angela, I tried to eat an elephant, okay? I really did. I didn't realize until I was fully into this, the whole process just how big a job it was. Oh, there God, was brother, yeah. Tremendous, and I'm not exaggerating on this, a tremendous amount of research that had to be done. There was much more time researching than writing. I have a question in that regard. Oh, boy, did you lead open a, a Pandora's mm-hmm. box of questions, Amelia, but jump right behind me. Oh, but yeah, I've got a question in that regard. The, the, the historical element, the research element. I love to research. Amelia loves to research. We're people who like to dig. We like to find 
the backstory of every story um, and and extract from it, you know, every morsel of of protein. And um, man, I want I don't even know where to start with this question because it's one of those like, good, I want to go here. I want to go there. So for you, for for a an author, first time like novel of this proportion. Um, how important was it for you to a get it accurate and b how much like day daytime did you burn on this book i mean you had to sleep at some point although we established on tuesday night with alistair cross and tamara thorne that writers are natural insomniacs yeah it happens I was going to ask I'll, you. I'll wake up in the middle of the night with an idea flashing through my head, and it's like, oh, okay, I got to write this down. So I send myself a text or uh, whatever. But uh, yeah, that does happen. It was part you know, of. The- Dan, we, we talked about that. Uh-huh. Stephen King, in his first five or six books, he used to keep a recorder and a notepad by his bedside. So when you wake up in the middle, we just talked about this mm-hmm. Tuesday we night. We did. We did. Honestly, because this is I'm- our. I'm not going to record anything because I'll wake some, I'll wake people up. <laughs> <laughs> she won't appreciate if I'm talking about that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, I can relate. I can relate. Uh, so 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 walk me down that 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 path uh, of research and how much to put because you must have gone crazy deciding how much to put in, what to put in, what to leave out. Was it as difficult? to decide what to leave out. Okay, talk to me about that. Yeah. And then Amelia I, jumped in. That was almost painful. Um, the, first of all, the research, I think, took me upwards of a little over three years. <laughs> Cumulative. Mm-hmm. Okay, about three years of research. Along the way, you're writing stuff. But every time you get into the research, something comes out, and you say, oh, God, I have to put that in. And then that sets you off on another path and then you have to delve into the research for that. And then yeah. once you get that part done, well, then you start off on your other subject in your story. And all of a sudden, that research opens the door to other potential storylines. Mm-hmm. And it was very big. It was very big. I mean, initially, what my, my goal was was to try and tie together as many conspiracy theories as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the funny thing is, is I was able to do it. Uh, and the scary part of it, was I was able to do it. <laughs> okay, but, uh, the, you know, I left out a couple of the biggies because I said, one, they were just overblown, and the JFK thing, I just decided not to put it in there because it was just, like, overdone. Uh, there's been enough written about that. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was 9-11, and that would require books on its own. So Yeah, oh, boy. <laughs> Big time. So I said, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to put those things in. But I tried to very superficially or in-depth tie in as many uh, conspiracy theories as I could yeah. into one novel, uh, and, and the research was labor intensive. I'm a research guy. Yeah. Like we, we were talking before the, uh, the podcast. Um, uh, I'm, it's not a first time book for me. This is number right. two. Uh, the first two were brought out in, um, the early 2010s. Uh, one was a weight loss book and the other one was a, a natural bodybuilding book. Yeah. And I should talk to like tell people that before you. Before you wrote this novel, um, Dan used to publish health and fitness manuals. 
Yeah. And uh, and that was your background as uh, you were a personal trainer. I still am. Oh, you still oh, are. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, brother, we're going to talk after the show, <laughs> right? <laughs> all of this I'm stuff. serious. I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding. That I lift one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not right. even. But yeah, I mean, this is. Give me another one, and I can do a weight program. <laughs> yeah, you got both on this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so the um, the, uh, the I, I got my teeth into those books, and they were actual uh, successes in French. Yeah. Uh, the second publisher that it was proposed to, the first novel, the first book, the weight loss mm -hmm. one, uh, they took it. Uh, uh, they jumped on it right away. And I thought, well, wow, this must be a good omen because I've heard yeah. horror stories of authors like Stephen King rejected 50, 100, 200 times before you get a, a, an acceptance letter, right? And this one, the sec and, the, and the only reason why the first one didn't accept it, they, they didn't have the budget to work with it. But the guy who was the lead, the, uh, the owner of the first publishing company, was a pretty famous guy here, still is, and he he accepted to write the foreword in the book. So in the end, two publishing companies, I got a foreword from a, a very famous person, mm -hmm. and I also got a publishing contract. And in French, it was available in in all the Frank uh, francophone uh, countries, mm -hmm. and it, it was a bestseller. It worked. So I said, okay, well, you know, there's something there, but it was very lighthearted and and whimsical in in terms of the the writing style. And mm -hmm. after the second one, which was an extension of the first one, and by the way, they were written as stories. Okay, these are not manuals uh, in a true sense. They are actual stories. You're reading a story about a personal trainer and his mm -hmm. client talking about, you know, how to lose weight, how to build muscle, whatever. Right. So uh, they are basically novels uh, touching on those subjects. But then when I got to the idea of doing the, the, uh, the real novel, I said, yeah, well, and I said the real novel because for me, like I said, the other two were industry books. This mm -hmm. one for me was like the one. You know, I, yeah. I wanted to pull out all my stops on this. And, and to get back to your initial question about how much how much was it important for me to you know get the things right and all that stuff, uh, right. very important, very. Uh, and you know, sometimes along the way, you you mix up some things or you mess up some things, and you don't get your research one hundred percent right. I mean, at one point, I was speaking about a Glock uh, pistol, and uh, I said, "Well, the guy uh, released the um, the safety." Well, I had a reader call me, you know, get back to me and says, "Glocks don't have <laughs> safeties." <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I've never held a Glock before, so I wouldn't know something like that. So uh, I have one. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Okay. So if you get to the point where he's talking about the guy holding the Glock, yeah, yeah, remember just it was in there at one point that he had a safety. Uh, so yeah, but the details are really important because I want the reader to get to the end of the book and yeah. just ask one question: Could this be real? Uh, you know, well, that's, that's the essence. Yeah, well, you heard me in, in my introduction. Right. That was the thing. It mm -hmm. because it really does kind of suggest to you. You know, is is how much of this is fiction and how much is real? Because it all sounds pretty legit, except for the parts that that sound like you know made up, you know BS. Exactly. Which even the made up BS sounds plausible. Pretty good, right? Yeah. Okay. And why would they be hiding a priest from being, um, you know, when they die? Why would they hide wanting to get uh, autopsy done? Well, why yeah, would that yeah, would be yeah. the biggest thing? Pursue yeah. that. You Pursue know, that for yeah. a few minutes. You know, yeah, they ahead. supposedly had a heart attack. How would we know that? Why were they wanting uh, to hide that? And yeah, you're mm -hmm. opening that door to people. Why? Yeah. You know, yeah. you're you're yeah. wanting to know the cause of death. 
yeah. you know, right away. That was basically the introduction of the main character. Mm -hmm. He was having a conversation with a priest about that particular event, which was Pope John Paul the mm First, -hmm. right, who was in uh, in office for what thirty three days. Yes. And yeah. then mysteriously, you know, under great conditions, you know, physical health and whatnot, all of a sudden he's gone. <laughs> Yeah, you know why and all that stuff. So I thought it was a good conspiracy theory to throw in there to lead into the character who is basically a conspiracy theory, um, you know, like fanatic. Mm -hmm. so I thought it was fun to put that in there as a as a lead in. Yes, yeah. and then and then the assistant. Why would she have the Satan gene? Why would he trust her with that? What was so important for her to have it of all? We people? didn't get to the end, right? Right. So that's why I'm not telling anybody anything. That's why I'm not saying One of those questions that I can't answer. Exactly. So I'm getting people to see, hmm, read the book. You got to get the book yeah. to find out why. Yeah. Why was she interested in that? Why so do gotta, you do stuff like that? To get people to buy the book, right? Am I good? Is that right? Get people no, to buy the book. No, but now I want you to tell me. I'm really no, you got to get people to buy the book, right? That's how you get people to buy the book. Absolutely. Well, I mean, right. that, that is Amazon. the whole idea. <laughs> no, the idea is to sell books. Uh, Dan, yeah. let me talk to you about that. Right. Um, we had Tuesday night, I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. we had um, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Um, uh, Alistair wrote a book called the, the Vampires of Crimson Cove. It's now going to be a four-book series. Yeah. I have the first three books. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be a single book. Mm -hmm. But again, he didn't want to throw things away, so he created more books with it. There's at least, I can tell you, just because I'm only, like I said, up to chapter 57, just about, to, I'm sorry, chapter 58, just about to start it. Mm -hmm. And I'm finishing up chapter 57 now. We talked about that earlier. One of the things that I see, even where I am now in the book, is sequel. I'm, I'm looking already to book number two. Yeah. And apparently so I'll, are you. I'll, I'll back you up a little bit because you did ask something and I didn't answer it earlier. But uh, the, the, uh, the whittling way, a way of information in the book uh, had to be done. And I said it was heart-wrenching because there was a lot of good stuff that was in there, but it didn't drive the story forward. And I decided, you know, let's let's emotionally detach ourselves and become a real severe, like cold-hearted editor, and just rip out the stuff that you you can't use. You know, it's good stuff, but I can't use it. But I put it into the B file, <laughs> the ideal file, because uh, there was definitely more than one book being planned. Uh, right now, I'm looking at the infrastructure for three others, mm. and wow. four, possibly a fourth one. Uh, when they will come out is when they'll come out. I have no clue because the research part, like I said earlier, is very, very intense. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't rush the process. So, you know. Uh, oh, God, no. I, I envy those authors that are able to pull them out one a year. I'd love well, to. Yeah. I was going to say the end just a moment ago. Is the, mm -hmm. With yeah. uh, almost you know, three years worth of research, and then it took you another painstaking almost two years to write it mm -hmm. yeah so you're looking you've got five years of your life invested yeah. in this yeah, yeah. it's part-time you, know? you know like sideline stuff i had fun with it it really wasn't that difficult it was yeah. fun it was a lot of fun i had a great time writing it it was uh, it was a good uh, good experience uh but i mean when i had when i had the brute the 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 uh, the uh, the big text ready 
it was about 140,000 words, give or take. And I was looking at that. That's way too big. I mean, most novels, they run about, you know, a thriller will run about 90,000 to 100,000, give or take a 10, you know. And I said, if any agent's going to look at this, they're going to say, yeah, forget it, buddy. It's just too big. So I had to yeah. whittle it down. So I brought it down to 104,000. So there was a lot of carving that went on, uh, a lot of cut and remove. Uh, uh, yeah. That was tough. But in the end, when I look at the final product, it was an absolute necessity. And I'm happy with how it turned out now. Oh, I'm thrilled with how oh, it yes. turned out. As a reader, I'm it. ecstatic. Mm -hmm. The author, D.W. Enmer, wrote this amazing thriller. Mm -hmm. It's, at, I call it at the beginning of the show, right. an <laughs> epic. It is an epic for sure. He is my guest tonight. Yes. Amelia, questions for Dan oh, Enmer. Yes. Absolutely. And um, when you were uh, actually doing your research, and I, I, I heard you had mentioned you had done a lot of research, and did a lot of the movies that you had watched before you had come through this, correct? You had wanted to make a lot of the stories a lot more better a lot more yeah you're talking about if, if i use movies as a yes. as a framework for as it a foundation I, to the book very much so okay mm -hmm. um i i like the way that you know like action movies cut and they you know they drive the story yes. forward right so uh -huh. the scenes in here and i actually timed it because I, I can't remember what the number was but i know people will read for about 45 minutes at a stretch and i calculated for somebody who's an average reader, how many words that would be. So I had an idea of how long each chapter should be if I want people to get to chapters. Now, I had short ones that were sort of like, you know, we go off and we come back to the story. Yes. Uh, but I made sure that I was in line with that thinking, that the, the, the uh, chapters were not so long that you'd have to take two hours to read one chapter. Right. Right. I wanted to have like like movement, and at the end of almost every chapter, there's a bit of a lead into the next one. You know, there's a bit of a teaser, and it's oh, like yes. a page turner type of thing. Well, that's what oh, I want to do. I, I really wanted that, so I think I crafted it well so that it came out that way. But the thing is, I also um, in in studying in the past because I was always interested in movies and whatnot, uh, and I I, I kind of toyed with the idea of getting into the industry at some point along the way. I said it would be good to understand how a script is written because that's the heart of any movie, right? So I, I started studying script writing. And that helped me tremendously with the, with the rhythm and the timing of the novel. And I tell people it reads like a movie and that was intentional. Oh, I've always said, Dan, mm -hmm. that writing is a lot like music. There's mm -hmm. a beat, there's a tempo, there's a rhythm to it. Uh, we've spoken about that. We've had a lot of authors on this show, a lot. Oh, yes. hmm. And we actually have a dedicated show called The Writer's Room, which I will definitely have you on. And this is what we have is Writer's Room Week. And yeah, this is Writer's Room show, Week. I was reading, I was like, oh, I was like this. I was like, go, and go, go to the lady. Though. Amelia, <laughs> uh, Amelia uh, introduced me to your book. Yes. Uh, she said, there's this guy, he's got this book. You might want to check it out a little bit. It's called The Satan Gene. Mm -hmm. I said, it's, before I even said, okay, I said, book him. Uh -huh. Find <laughs> out who this guy is and get him on here. And I looked at research and I said, yeah. I found your email. I knew immediately it was going to be a thriller. It mm -hmm. was going to be a conspiracy whodunit. It was going to be, you know, the deep, dark recesses of the church and, you know, and governments colliding or working in tandem as it turns out to be most of the time. 
Um, and so this kind of book is like right up our alley. We love, oh, yeah. you know, conspiracy books. This, this, again, the book is The Satan Gene. I'm excited. <laughs> it's author D.W. Dan Emer is our guest tonight. And this is our first of the writers, our, I'm sorry, our second of the writers' room episodes right. this week. Amelia, questions for Dan Emer. If I want to understand, this is your first podcast yep. you've done? Really? We're yeah, breaking them yeah. in good, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, as uh, you were writing and everything like that, did any other ideas come into you? So I'm going to add this to it, even though it's probably not going to be a part of it, just to add and get more exciting to the chapter or to the two chapters that go together with that? It, I can't say that that really was anything that came into my mind. It was sort of like it was free form. It was free flowing. Uh, um, like I said, at some point it was too much and I had to whittle it out, but everything was like um, mystery and action. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, forward movement that I wanted to create with the story. Uh, but I can't say that there was anything that was like, that I was racking my brain to try and make, you know. Yeah. Oh, no writer's block. Writer's block I don't, I don't have. Oh, good. Why? You know what, Amelia? No thank you for saying that, and Dan, thank you for saying that that you don't have. There are people, and if we fact Tuesday night, I asked the question of two authors on the show. I said to them, "Is there such thing as writer's block? And if not, what is it?" And they came up with a very simple answer: It's laziness. A writer that doesn't want to write blames it on writer's block to be, you know, to have that creative whatever the hell. But it's lazy, is what it is. If you're, and maybe it's tired. You're tired, so you just, you know, there's no writer's block. You just put it down for a little while, and revisit it later. You can't force the process. No, you, you really. What happens? Bad stuff you try to? Your bad stuff comes out. Uh, you know, and you will write some bad stuff anyways. Uh, but it's in in you know other moments when I'm sort of like toying with an idea that is not gelled yet. I'll yeah. put it aside and I'll go back to my previous stuff and I'll start looking through it and then I start crafting it and playing with it and then it goes from bad to really good. So yeah. uh, the process is sort of like I, I, you know, it's kind of hard to say the process because I got a, I'm, I'm sort of like a hybrid between two. You know, you've got the planner type, mm -hmm. do the storyline and stuff like that, yeah, and everything in detail, right? And then you yeah. got what they call the fly by the seat of your pants type, yeah. And I'm a bit of, an, of a hybrid between both of them, but I definitely know what the beginning is going to be. And I'm, I'm crystal clear on how I want it to end because I can tie the two together. The, the, the middle, I like to say, is, is the adventure. Okay. And, yeah. and the, the adventure is going to lead me sometimes in different directions that I didn't expect. Yeah. All right. But That's I definitely right. have that process. It's the beginning and the end. And the end is crystal clear. I know where I want to lead yeah. people. And I want it to be smart. I want it to be like surprising. I want it to be fun. So uh, in the in the in the middle, whatever. And mm -hmm. and there are moments where I just like I have a bit of a stumbling block with something. And all I do is I just say, you know what? I'm going to let it go. Yeah. Throw it up into the universe, and I will move on to something else. And my answer will come to me at some point along the way. And it is unbelievable how that technique works well for me because sometimes my answer comes while I'm watching a television program yeah. or 
I'm looking at a science paper on a, on a particular subject and all of a sudden the, the answer just jumps right out at me. Yeah. So it's like the universe is working to help me create this thing. And it was all, I, I, you know what, I lost count of how many moments I had like that with this thing. It was unbelievable. It is now actually part of my process that some of this stuff, I just throw it out into space and I let, I let it take care of it. You know, so I don't have to worry yeah. about it. I worry about something else. I know the answer comes. And mm -hmm. that has been one of the most liberating approaches to writing that I've, I've, I've uh, discovered. Dan, I want to talk a little bit about one of my favorite aspects of writing. Characters. Mm -hmm. Character development. I have um, a background in television, radio. Um, I've written two books and I've done a couple of films. You can interview yourself at some point, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> and so I am a big proponent of character development. What's your process or your, your catharsis, as it were, for creating, developing, and breathing personality and life into a character? How do you, as an author, approach it? Real life, real life. I, I, okay. I get inspired for, you know, I work with, I've worked with tens of thousands of people over the years in, in my uh, personal training. And uh, you, you get to connect with a lot of personalities. You get to connect with a lot of, you know, heavy duty sto stories sometimes. Uh, you get to connect with the, you know, the human experience. Yeah. So I, I siphoned from all of that you know, some stuff that I could put into my characters to give them some depth. Because, uh, you know, if you've got a superficial character or one-dimensional character, mm -hmm. you haven't got anything that, you know, people will get emotionally attached to and, yeah. and you know, like root for or be sad about if something bad happens to them. So uh, I, I really wanted to put, you know, multiple layers into the characters so that people can identify with them. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I did want to do uh, or didn't, depending on how you look at it, is I didn't want to make my main hero uh, a former military um, expert, you know, like a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret or anything like that. Because yeah. I thought that outside of an actual book like Gray Man, okay, it was mm -hmm. a sure. the Bournes uh, series, outside of that, uh, you know, it's very, because they, they are expected to have those kind of, you know, like qualities and, and talents, right? But outside of that, I said, I'm, I'm dealing with the, the everyday person and I want them to identify with the character because I, I don't want the character to get out of a sticky situation just because they know how to pull out mm -hmm. a, a walk, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I want sure. them to get out of it more by their, their, um, their intelligence. And I also didn't want to have scenarios where they got out by accident or by sheer luck you know, or by sheer happenstance, you know, convenient yeah. stuff like that for me just throws it completely off. I, I, I disconnect from a book when I read something like that. So I wanted my characters to have depth. I wanted them to have emotions. I wanted them to have history. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted them to be connectable, you know, in the sense that anybody who reads it, the everyday man, everyday woman will be able yeah. to identify with the characters. And you get, you get into the story a little bit better at that point. Dan, when you're using real life as a catharsis for a character, do you find yourself walking a tightrope, um, uh, perhaps using too much of someone's persona 
in a character or no? No. Okay. Because it's really, it's really a mix of so many people that you can't identify with the character. If, uh, th there's no one character in that book that is anybody that I know yeah. who is modeled af off of that, you know, that person. Not yeah. one. Not one. They're all, they're all figments of my imagination. And uh, I play around with them a bit there and get them, get them you know, set up so that they're not identifiable as any one person. Amelia, questions yeah. for Dan Emer. Yeah, I love I love the way you had tied the uh, Catholic with people, the Catholic religion, and then the government, and then everything tied like into one. Make it look like like I'm going to use for example, you said the shadow people with the government, and then the Catholic religion, and had it all tied up into one, and then how they all work together in to an unbad government, but then it all turns out into a good thing to help, the, like you said, your hero into the story. To help all of the, to help, I guess, the world basically not to destroy each other. Right. And of course, we'll find out later on in the book because we're not going to give it away. But uh, is that how you had it planned? Like you said, in the ending, you already had the ending before you had the beginning. I, I knew what the ending was. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Roman Catholic element came into play um, not, not too far into the original research because I was. It wasn't originally supposed to be with that uh, team, but it, it kind of came into play quite often along the road because uh, the conspiracy theories being government-based a lot, yes. um, I realized that a lot of these New World Order things are not just controlling from a government point of view, but they're controlling from a religious point of view as well. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I think I can marry the two together and make make both bad bad groups. <laughs> Sounds right. Weird. Well, yeah, I, I understand what you mean. <laughs> make both of those groups kind of like uh, mm -hmm. church and state are working on the on the ultimate goal of becoming Absolutely. the new world order, and mm -hmm. the rest of us are the uh, are the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, because it seems like that a lot of it's tied to the Catholic Church. A lot of it. A lot of it's more Catholic, yeah. and of course the government. And it seems like a lot of it's being tied together. Yeah. And a lot of it's going to be like they're with the conspiracy. And a lot of it's with tied Oh, Amelia, the Catholic Church is a potpourri of conspiracy. Oh, absolutely. It? And it's, it's like the main source of potential stories. Yes. Yes. And I'm not the first author to exploit that. Um, Dan Brown being a, a pretty good example. You've got Steve Barry as well, who happens to be one of my favorite authors. Uh, who, who does stuff like that. Uh, his most recent one that he came out with is still again with the Catholic Church and uh, other mysteries. So um, I, I'm, I'm not the last one. I'm not the first one. There's going to be more people explaining that. But th there's a rich uh, source of information in there, I think, coupled with secret societies, coupled with government conspiracies. And God knows we have a lot of those floating around these days. Oh, boy. Uh, so, we, you know, we, there's a lot of information to, to weave a, a very rich tapestry uh, for a book of this nature. So uh, I will be using the same approach for the next ones uh, that will be coming along at uh, unknown dates. But <laughs> We look forward to that one. <laughs> have you come up with right now? I'd love to have a say, yeah, it's out now. The second one right now. <laughs> because I know the work that's waiting for me. So Dan, have you, have you come up with, the, with a, a, um, a process or a, um, a, a staging that works for you? Maybe you call it the, the Emer effect. Um, or writing class. Oh, I hate that the, book the name. <laughs> I'll tell you what. 
I'm ready to start a college course right now on Dan Emer. I'm going to call it the Emer effect. Um, I'll get that's yours for free, by the way. You can have that one, the Emer effect. Um, seriously, cool. let's, let's talk about the, this book. Uh, there are a lot, and we're not going to give anything away. No. We're just talking about the book in general. Um, because I still haven't showed them the trailer yet. And we're going to show the trailer uh-huh. very shortly. Um, this trailer, I want people to keep in mind what you're watching is a trailer for a book, for a novel. Right. Okay? Yeah. And I made it. What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I made it. <laughs> and this, and, and, and it's a superb visual. I love the visual. You yeah. had a movie in mind when you made this, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why I said it. The first thing I said out of my mouth in this interview, this is a movie here, okay? Yes. We just got to hook Dan up with the right people. This is a movie. Absolutely. A movie in the making. Oh, man. You don't even know. We're going to be. You never know. You never know. We're going to be (laughs) on the credits as uh, consultants. I want to show people, no more mystery, no more suspense. Let's take a look at this. This is the trailer for The Satan Gene. Author is D.W. Emer. Watch it now. That's the first book trailer I've ever seen longer than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Really? That Yeah, that runs, but for the people watching, that runs uh, over a full minute. Yeah, it's a minute and seven seconds. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, something it sure does. Um, a remarkable piece of visual. Um, Thank you. Clearly you had... I'm making it. Yeah. Yeah. And and clearly you had a, a, a movie in mind. Um, the music went that right it's it's very dramatic oh absolutely and and here's my question though is a lot of people will sit down with pen and paper or computer whatever their motive uh of writing is and people you still use typewriters believe it or not um but when you write a book like this and i want everybody to to take a look at this 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 is a really thick book um (laughs) do you sit down with a with a book like this with a visual in mind or does the visual come later you're talking about the cover itself? Uh, no, not not necessarily the cover. I'm talking about the contents. Oh, you mean the thickness content, of yeah. it? No, I knew what the feeling was that I wanted to generate through the book. I got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I knew what that was. And and sometimes when I'm into some heavy-duty stuff or heavy scenes, uh, you know, fight scenes or, or yeah. something diabolical is happening or whatever, <clears throat> I, I no joke, I put on some heavy, dramatic movie music to get me into the into the mood 
So I'm listening to this stuff in my head as I'm writing the scenes and, and I'm, I'm playing the scene out as if it is in a movie. And now I've got the music playing in my ears right. to sort of like add like a, a velour to it, you know, to, to round it out. So yeah, definitely it helps for my, uh, for my, uh, you know, my writing process to have that kind of music playing in the background, you yeah. know, give me that, that feeling of what it would look like because the scenes play out of my mind, like a movie. Right. So yeah, uh, if well, I, have I mean, every, every effective book, every good book should leave the reader with that, that picture of, of action taking work. Right. place like not in, just in words on a page mm -hmm. um you know they should they should come to life in 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 your mind like a film so a, to me a good book is like watching a really good movie mm -hmm. you don't want it to end that's why i know there's going to be a part two and maybe a three and four oh, definitely. you'll get one <laughs> yeah it's but like yeah, being, sure. being in the book yourself it's like that's how i am right now it's like oh my gosh i'm I'm in the adventure with her. It's like when she's like, like Go well, Amelia, pursue that line. You know, it's like, we, you know, I'm not going to give away a part of it, but when she's getting ready to leave in the book, I should say, uh, you know, she's trying to find a way to leave us, you know, and she's yeah. having to go a different way. And of course they're trying to track her. I'm going to say that part of it, but, I know what, mm -hmm. how her mind thinking and I'm like, oh, go, go, hurry up. You know, like that part of it. I'm in the book with her. And, yeah. you know, you were mentioning the cover. How did you come up with that cover? What was I, I have I to love it. It's I have to give credit to the the guy who uh, is the graphic artist uh, who Rudy is his name. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll leave it right there. But uh, he um, what I gave him as an initial cover, uh, he ran with it. And we ended up with like I think, what seven or eight versions, mm -hmm. and then and then he just like threw everything out and he came to me with this one that you have right now, mm -hmm. and with only a few minor tweaks, I was looking and I said, you know what, this is absolutely perfect. It it, it has the feel of what the story is all about. You got two people running, so there's movement, and you know mm -hmm. there's a chase, and you've got this like. DNA strand uh, mm -hmm. behind them that is like huge and bearing down on them. And if you look at the shape of the DNA mm -hmm. and the the uh, the pyramid underneath, which is like mm -hmm. the, uh, the road or whatever, it, also, it looks like an hourglass, right? Mm -hmm. so it gives a, a sense that time is ticking on this. Yes, you know, and the seal. Well, the seals is part of the uh, the seven seals of, mm -hmm. of justice. Mm -hmm. So we put a seal in there, but it's a big blood block as well you know it's mm -hmm. like uh, so there's a lot of nuances in here and then having the the uh, st peter's square hidden behind the uh, the dna mm -hmm. sort of like gives the impression that they're behind this so uh, there were a lot of nuances in the cover and mm -hmm. and when i saw it i said okay you know what let's run with this this is absolutely yes. perfect. it's very intriguing it's and that's when cover. i saw that and i told angelo i said Look at this book, Angelo. Oh, God, <laughs> Look at yeah. this. I said, Angelo, we, got to, we have to get this guy on the show. Look. <laughs> yeah, she, she was so excited. She said, look uh, at this book. We have to get this guy. I, I called him I on the phone. I didn't realize oh, that. I thought, you know, honest to God, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I thought it was going to be maybe a, a couple of hundred pages, maybe 220 pages, 250. I thought it was going to be a small book. Uh, I didn't realize the extent of the research you put in. Uh -huh. The historical research in this book mm -hmm. is spot on there's nothing in here 
that is contrived or made up. It's real. It's it's big. Um, and that's why I said <laughs> at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. that a, a reader will read this book and ask themselves the question, is this real? Yeah. Is this Fiction. the figment of a, a great writer's imagination? Is this um, or is contrived? It, or is or the whole it, thing BS? Or is it fiction? No. Maybe you think wants us to make it think it's fiction and it's really real. Who knows? Well, well, <laughs> uh, think about it too. The fiction part of it is the story I made up. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and that is interwoven through historical fact, and you know, like you know, you can you can do searches on this. And one of the things I wanted to have people do is actually get on the internet and, and check stuff out. You know, mm-hmm. what I re- what I read is that actually real, and then go on the internet and check it out, and then they. They find out that it is real. Like every building in there, every artwork, every destination that they go to, it reads like a, a, a tourist map to Rome. This thing, okay? Because well, you're not the, you're not there yet, but you know you're going to be going over to Rome at some point. Yeah. And, and there's a, it's almost like a tourist map. And um, yeah, well, that's it. It was uh, it was a lot of research to get it all put together. Um, yeah, that's it. It's a it was a big deal. Questions, Amelia. Yeah, and Angela Angela even says all the time you can't make this stuff up. You can look it up in the I tell people every week you can't make <laughs> this shit up. Yeah, you can you look can't up most of the stuff in here, mm-hmm. the documents, the, the destinations, you look this up, they are all they, everything exists. Yep. Uh, I did a lot of virtual traveling through YouTube and whatnot, because, uh, you know, you can do that now and it's great for research. So I didn't yeah. have to go to a lot of these places to get the information, but I did right. a lot of virtual tours, a lot of them. Have, so you, have you wanted to go to a lot of these places recently? Yeah, Will you be going yeah. to a lot of these places? <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't been, I haven't been to, uh, Rome. So it's sort of like I'm working with, uh, what I researched on it, uh, and the, uh, the, uh, destinations over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, were part of my research. I haven't been to Rome. I've been I've been to Italy. I've been to Venice. So that part, if you read in that part, uh, that I've been to. Uh, but I never got to Rome. So Rome is sort of like I, I love to go just to sort of like get into my character's world. Really, you know, like <laughs> I say, I've been right there where I wrote this part yeah, of the book. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but I, I've had, I actually had a reader send photos in, uh, <laughs> this is crazy. She, she went to Rome and uh, she took a bunch of photos at certain sites that were critical or semi-critical to the story. She actually like sort of like went to where the story was, you know, wow. uh, leading her. And uh, she, actually put, <laughs> she actually got a photo inside of St. Peter's Basilica, uh, right at the heart, right over St. Oh. Peter's uh, tomb. Um, Oh, and, and I was blown away because I said, oh, you're gutsy. <laughs> With a title like Satan on it, and you're right in the middle of the Vatican, and you're putting it right there. I said, wow, she, you know, th- that was a very, very gutsy move. Uh, so the yeah, book, boy. The book <laughs> <laughs> gutsy, is, that's an understatement, brother. It's been to Paris. It's been, uh, it's been to Hawaii. It's been to uh, Italy. It's been, it's, been to a, it's been in Australia. It's been all over the place. So I get these well, photos of people sending, you know, people sending. Right people now, your book is literally all over the world via <laughs> the internet because we hit, we hit three hundred and fourteen radio stations. We are on ev- literally every podcast mm-hmm. platform on planet Earth. Wow! And we, uh, 
We are proud to say that we are number one in New Zealand. I can't make this show. Wow. Yes. Don't ask me why New Zealand. Yeah, why New Zealand? <laughs> I have no idea. Other than there's a lot of Italians in New Zealand. Yeah, maybe not because I don't know. Your accent is not New Zealand at all. So No, not at all. I know. Not at all. But our guy, Jimmy Thunder from Down Under, he says, you guys are number one here, so enjoy it. Amelia. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, good. I, I hate to do this, but we got to say, we got to call it a night. Oh, yeah. This is going to killing me to do this. I know. I gotta, right? I'm going to put it right out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. Dan, can you join us for a part two, maybe a couple of weeks down the road? Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Beautiful. I got to have this. Is like, great. This is a great interview. Yeah. I love it. Oh, this hour I was just so glad and so what much. an amazing first time experience. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that we could break you in gently. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. You're, you're, you're setting me up for part two now, right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Before we say goodnight and goodbye to Dan, let's check this out one more time. I love that trailer. I, I could play that again. <laughs> I made it, and I keep watching it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's remarkable. That's actually the crazy thing is because I find myself sort of like, you know, leafing through it once, I'm, and then I start reading, and I get caught up in my own damn book. I start reading yeah. my book, and I said, you know, I've read this thing a thousand times, and then I flip to a page, and I start reading it, and I realize I've read three chapters. Mm-hmm. That's how you realize, Dan, that you've done a good job. When you can read your own work and enjoy it. Oh, absolutely. You've done a good job. I'm being my, very serious when I say My that. dad has read it three times. My mom has read it three times, too. I mean, you know, it's dedicated oh. to mom and dad. So, yeah. I've written two <laughs> books. i got family oh. members that, that still don't even know I wrote one. You know? <laughs> I'm cool. still waiting for my copies. <laughs> you'll get it. One of these days, you'll get it. Amelia, um, tell everybody. What, oh, by the way, Dan, when we when we go off the air, stay with me for a second. Yeah. Um, oh, Amelia, tell everybody what's coming up, kiddo. Oh, absolutely. We have uh, next week, actually, as we do our continuing turn to, uh, I guess, I wouldn't say serial killers. I would say uh, murders. I would say unsolved murders, yeah, mysteries. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Marilyn Monroe. We have. Uh, we're going to be doing um, another. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, who killed Marilyn actually. Monroe? I would say unsolved, basically, because to us, to me, it's mm -hmm. unsolved. Marilyn Monroe, and on the fifteenth, we're going to be doing a part two for uh, wrestling with the future. For yeah, uh, we are going to revisit the case of Chris, Chris Benoit, a uh, former professional wrestler. 
Chris Benoit, who allegedly murdered his wife and son and then killed himself. But we believe that it was a, a botched murder suicide, but we're being given information now that uh, hold on your brakes with the murder suicide and maybe not so fast. Maybe it was a hit. Maybe it was a a botched um, hit going terribly, terribly wrong. Correct. By someone uh, We're knew. being told that it was supposed to only be Benoit that was killed. His wife and child were not supposed to be touched is what we're being told. Um, the sources that we have are very reliable. So I have no reason not to believe them. I will tell you this, though. Uh, if it turns out that it was a botched murder, boy, somebody got some explaining to do big time. Yes. Um, a lot of suspects. Oh, boy, brother. It was a mess. It was. This one was a big one. Mm -hmm. Big, bad, and messy. It was horrible. Absolutely. Uh, we are also next week um, going to delve into... What really happened to Marilyn Monroe? Uh, as oh, yeah. Amelia said, um, was it the Kennedys? We think not. Perhaps something more sinister? Yeah. Uh, deep, dark, and uh, J. Edgar Hoover's name comes up a lot. Yes. A lot. Um, we think she was. Apparently, the Hoover had bloody right. hands and didn't care who he took out. Um, so we're going to explore the dark side of J. Edgar Hoover and the, the whole Marilyn case. For Amelia Pitbull and for the Mad Dog, I feel like I'm. This is the dog pound every week. I'm sure. <laughs> and he complains about me having the, the paperwork. The Pitbull and the Mad Dog. <laughs> you're, you're Why don't we just sign up by going? Let's the dog. Out. Yeah, exactly. Who lives? Right. The dogs for Dan D.W. Emer, I am the Mad Dog. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you don't get me in trouble. <laughs>